okay, yeah, I don't think my microphone levels changed any, so. So that means we're good to go ahead and open up the pop. 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 Okay, maybe a little further away now. Ah, oh, that's a nice sound bump. I didn't listen to the last show to see what it sounded like. Excuse me, I think it was all right. Oh yeah, I guess it might help if I opened up the uh, the dock, as in document. Excuse me, I'm gonna go borrow yours. Want me to swap out the towel? Swap out. Yeah, I was thought about doing it, and I'm like, oh, why didn't you do that? Oh. I, even, I even cleaned the toilet this morning. Cool. I'll tell you what, your apartment in general seems a lot cleaner than my apartment used to be. That's really strange because, uh, like, I haven't really cleaned this place for a good well, month or two. <laughs> you should have, well, you know, I kind of clean mine sometimes. <laughs> Every now and then, like once or twice a year. <laughs> okay. So it looks like. Did I tell you about my new gun? Uh, no. Uh, I had a friend who, uh, who's a youth pastor out in Minnesota, and he was moving back, and he was like, "I need money to move back. Do you want to buy my gun?" So I was like, "Sure." And so I'm buying his gun. He's gonna move back and what? Go. Ahead. I think I remember you mentioning oh, this sometime, okay. but yeah. So I've been supposed to be getting it for a while, so it sounds like I might be getting it soonish. So that'll be good charge. I wonder if it's charging this time. Last time my laptop wasn't charging. And look what I'm doing this time. See, Linux. Ah. Oh. See, I think this might. Well, unless it's done at home, this might be my first Linux podcast here, anyways. Turns out I had 100 megabytes of updates, too, so that's not a bad time to come here. Translate what business? Oh, this would be a good one. It looks like, uh... I still have eastbound 276 closed down. Unfortunately. Okay. Wait, is this the cartoon thing? What? Oh, cartoon? yeah. The, 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 what business people say. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna figure it out because it just came in the bag. This is okay. It's more for designers, though, but might be useful for, you know... Yeah, okay. These things are always fun to read. Go cheat, cheat. Explain what clients really mean when providing feedback. Stuff clients say. Make it look more luxurious. serious. Wide, thin fonts and caps. Okay. Looks like this is a web designer point. Yeah. One. He watched this animation, and he hits the axe without the axe ever moving. It falls past the same spot. I was just noticing that. Or it might just be repeating, yeah. But I never see the, may- maybe, the axe Maybe moves. he just finished dropping it, and then he, like, spins around. I don't know. So, yeah, they're basically truncating some bits off of 128 bits down to 48. To try to make it slimmer for the whole game, then. Yeah. Huh. And then they detail some other techniques, like 
what kind of curves to apply to the uh, points. Foot sliding. I've seen that in video games before. I've seen video games with the feet yeah. that slide. I've seen that. Yeah. It's interesting that I've... Yeah. This isn't right here. Interesting. I guess now it's time to Google Raspberry Pi. All the Linux servers must be painfully slow or something. What? It doesn't, like, download any fast. Uh, depends on what mirror you're using. Yeah. Like, do you know which one you're, you're using? Uh, well, you probably need to close, cancel your updates, or, yeah. yeah, cancel your updates since it's still downloading. I'm trying to decide if I actually want to cancel or cancel them. Maybe it's let them ride. Well, I mean, they're still downloading, yeah, so. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you have Synaptic? Should be going through that one. Oh, there was a UI for it. What's it? Is this source list or something? Maybe probably need this. I just use Synaptic. Yeah. Yes, that. Um, yeah, so go back to a bunch of software, download from other, and then select best. Ooh, it is a test. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. There's one at uh, uh, CMU. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty good. Uh, there's, I think, SimDNS or SimNDS or something. Uh, they yeah. tend to be pretty fast. Um, I've also... I think it think it'd be more uh at my parents' house. It's uh Oh, it's oh that's, that's yep. One right there. Yep. Okay, let's try this. Um let's see then it's over at my parents, I think for a while we were using the one at Argonne National Labs. Argonne National Labs, where is that at? Uh I believe it's out of outside of Chicago a little ways. Huh. So yep. Reload. Yeah, that's like really fast, like obnoxiously fast. Not as fast as my computer can deal with it, it looks like. <laughs> of course, we're talking about kilobytes here, or bytes. Xubuntu, I'm trying to think. No, that's not K, KDE. No, it's uh, the Xface edition. Okay. Or XFCE, or whatever. It's the one that doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> Hence X. Since X means nothing. Well, then again, come to think of it, pretty you know, about half the acronyms in open source technically don't stand for anything. Wine is not an emulator. <laughs> yeah, like recursive acronyms are such a cop-out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. This seems to be doing better in this one, I'd say. Okay, what was, oh, I was going to Google Raspberry Pi. I type in R-A-S-P, and Google <laughs> knows that I just want Raspberry Pi. I think they've been watching me. Hi, Google. Hi, Google. So, what comes to mind when I say Unity comes to Linux? Uh, initially, what came to mind was, wait, we already have Unity. Then I'm like, oh yeah, we already talked about the gaming Unity engine coming <laughs> a few times ago. And is there something else? No, it's uh, specifically the uh, like the authoring tools, like the Unity editor uh -huh. of the Unity game engine coming to Linux. Didn't we talk about that? I thought I believe it. Was, I believe it, that was the Cry engine. Oh, uh, so it's now another one coming. So Unity has always had Linux support, mm 
but now you can actually make your game in, in Linux, Linux using Unity. Which makes it ten times more awesome. You know, instead of before, I think it might have been uh, Windows and Mac, where you, whereas you just built for Linux. Uh-huh. So. That, that's a pretty good um, uh, move there, allowing you to actually develop in the environment where you're making for it. What? Hacked Raspberry Pi turned into artificial pancreas. <laughs> that has to take the cake for the most creative Raspberry Pi ever. Maybe I used the uh, improper verb tense there. For which? Uh, Unity is coming to Linux. It's not there yet. Yeah, it's experimental beta thing. So now that we're all caffeinated and sugared, we can be kind of talkative now. It has nothing to do with Raspberry Pis. Or does it? Wait. Oh, okay, okay. Then maybe we need to actually read the article. Yeah, with sugar, I probably am more talkative. Did we have that conversation last time? About I think so. Talkative with sugar? Okay. Yeah. I felt like I talked to someone recently about being talkative with sugar and stuff. You know who Vint Surf is, right? No. The guy that made TCP IP? Oh, okay. I remember that cat. See, did we talk about Firefox and how they're going to sign extensions? Sign, yes, we did talk about that. Because then we talked about how yeah. we're not just saying only developers should use extensions. Yeah, I, I, I thought something like that. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that was a big burp. So not only are they doing that, they're also changing the extension API to apparently something a little bit more compatible with Chrome. Oh, so we can do cross... Uh, extensions really easily then that is really neat having like a common api for browsers but i know we've talked before about how firefox is kind of largely based on javascript under the hood is mm. chrome similar to that uh i think chrome is more so that but you know firefox is still mostly c plus plus i think and, uh, like, they're, well, pardon the reuse of the word, but Chrome, the browser Chrome, mm-hmm. you know, like the window decorations yeah. and stuff, that's based on XUL, which is, like, something specific to Mozilla, and they want to move away from that. And, uh, like, they're also doing their electrolysis project, which is their per proce- per uh, tab per process uh, yeah. thing. Did they already have that account? Uh, Firefox is the only one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Implementing a new extensions API called Web Extensions, largely compatible with a model used by Chrome and Opera to make it easier to develop extensions across browsers. Safer, faster, multi-process version is coming soon. Uh, sure, third-party extension customization without sacrificing security performance or exposure and users' malware will require all extensions to be validated and signed by Mozilla. Uh, deprecated... Decided on approximate timeline for the depreciation of XPCOM and XUL-based add-ons. I think that's down them all had a uh, had a recent post about yeah the likely end because of uh, you know depreciation of XUL add-ons. I was in that one depends upon it heavily, I guess. Huh. I used to use it. That was a pretty nice extension. Safe to say that Firefox will not be Firefox anymore as far as extensions goes, but will be become yet another Chrome clone. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a very good opinion, do they? Down the mall. 
And I pretty much use Chrome as a YouTube player now. Because it works better in Firefox. So this is a presentation about Let's Encrypt. It's a little bit dated now. But I like like the first 10 to 15 minutes because it's a sort of layman's explanation of why we need to encrypt the web. Everyone's had a great... You know, someone mildly technical can understand it, like Uh Chris. (laughs) Maybe Mom. (laughs) There you go. That's really neat. Does he have part two posted? No. I think he's pretty impressed because this has 1.6 million views. His other videos are less than 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> obviously touched nerve. He did a good explanation there. He yeah. obviously knows what he's talking about. And he explained it very well. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mufti watch for that when it uh, comes back up. And I believe that's the iBook guy. That's that's what the uh, yeah the channel channel was yep. So I think I might have mentioned to you that my new laptop probably does not have a gigabit NIC on it. You did mention that. Yes. So I got a USB three hub with an Ethernet port on it. Oh, they make gigabit. Those. Yeah. Nice. So it has three ports on it. I guess normally it would be four, but the NIC is the using NIC one. Instead. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried it, tested it, to see if you get that kind of throughput through that you're supposed to get? Um, it's sort of maxing out at about 12 megabytes, which would be fast Ethernet speed. Okay. But I'm pretty sure with all the overhead and stuff and the fact that I was like uh, transferring things from SSH to an encrypted drive uh-huh. might have slowed it down ahead. a wee okay. little bit. So you can sort of see the uh, like the contacts on the edge. There, the five contacts. Yeah, I see it has the, the blue too, yeah. which is your USB 3. Yeah, whereas normally the USB has four pins. Yes. So, like, there's, like, five further back for the extra speed. So, pretty much all I would need to use this for if I'm doing some heavy-duty transferring for my laptop. So, I think I, I think that was only on Amazon for, like, 15 bucks, maybe? That's, that's not too bad. I think normally the MSRP was like 50. <laughs> okay, 20. List price, nine, $99. $99 is that worth that? Wow. Well, list price anyway. Yeah. That's a ripoff. And I also got some things for my phone. Oh yeah, by the way, I have a Moto E now, which, I mean, would be great if... This network still had a gadget show. I take it they haven't done one in a while? Um, about a year. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like it might be close then. Yeah. Um, apparently, Qualcomm hate just consumed Ryan so much that uh, he's like, forget it. <laughs> so it sounds like IBM's own distro in the Linux one? Sort of, but they're also... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they even mention it here. But they're uh, doing this uh, with help from Canonical. Oh. You know, the Ubuntu people? Yes. Um, Linux is up and coming. People are starting to kind of pay attention to it and see it. Well, it's been up and coming for like 30 years. (laughs) Yes. I I guess what I'm heading with this is the gaming things that have happened recently. That's what makes it up and coming to me partially is it's... That's starting to bridge the gap and make it something that normal people can use. Yeah. If normal people use it, then it can become a tool that 
more businesses can more so depend on. Because, yeah, it's, you know, a common web server because it's really awesome for that and stuff. But uh, for their day-to-day life, not many people use Linux. Ah, here we go. Corresponding canonical article. Uh, I actually started taking a sort of IBM uh, mainframe class in college. Yeah. But about, I don't know, like three weeks in, the instructor instructor just left. <laughs> and from what I could tell, he like got hired at a company in Egypt or something. Wow. Of course, this was like back in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, um... That's like dot-com bubble days, right? Uh, no. No, when is that? Is it 2001? Two, yeah, 2000. 2000, like March 2000 was when it started, like, crashing. Okay. So 2008. Okay, was, so that's quite a bit after. Was when the real estate stuff, like, was collapsed. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was some contest where, like, you were supposed to get this, I think it was a 5150 terminal emulator mm-hmm. and log into some IBM mainframe somewhere and, like, leave a message or something. Yeah. And then they would send you a t-shirt, which I think I still have that t-shirt. Like, I've, nice. it's, since it's a black shirt and I was in Utah at the time. You didn't wear it much? Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever worn it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once, but yeah. Yeah. It's probably buried somewhere in my drawers. And the one thing that... One thing that... The one thing that sort of bugged me was, you know, like, at the beginning of the class, he's like, as soon as you log on, uh, like, the first thing you notice is this is a a mid-range type of machine. I'm like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like, this is a completely new architecture completely different kind of system i don't know anything Uh like this could be like the highest end thing i've ever touched in my life when in fact it could be like the like the very entry level offering that this company you know does yeah i mean unless there's like blinking text on the (laughs) terminal somewhere (laughs) mid-range Sounds like a French shadow of me blinking text in the terminal. <laughs> Might have been a 5250. I interviewed at a job once for CA security. That That's what they're always like, mainframe stuff, stuff and things. Yeah, 5250. Yeah. You know, this is where all the COBOL, you know, programs live. It's mostly on IBM mainframes. Ha. I've heard it's still around. You know, and... You know, this is where, you know, because of IBM's commitment to backwards compatibility, you know, like old programmers are like, yo, the program I wrote 50 years ago still runs today. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome that code still does work. And like, as far as I know, it's like not in any kind of emulation. It's just running kind of the way it used to run. Pretty much. What? hate that. Article display in one second. Evidently, I have ad block turned on, though. Side numbers of our ad. <laughs> I have no script, so I never even got that. Well, the sites that are pop up and they apparently you have ad block turned on. Please turn off so we can fund our site. <laughs> it's like, uh, I turned it off because I was seeing ads. Oh, your update. doing stuff. Configuring Android Studio. Apparently, I must have had the SDK installed or something. That's inflating all kinds of files. Yes. 
Is it hot? Uh, not too bad. I haven't really noticed this laptop like overheating bunches. Like it seems like it's a relatively stable laptop. It seems to work good. Mine too. You know, well, except that if I'm in the back of a car and reading off of it, you know, like after a while it does get a little warm underneath. But yeah. in a cooler environment. So when's your Germany trip? I just was thinking about that. That's coming up here soon, isn't it? Uh, let's see. I might mention it sometime on the podcast. So the 11th. Uh, I think I'll still be around for the 11th. The 25th, I think I'll be flying back. You so, pretty much have a week, well, two weeks. Uh, maybe more like 10 days or so. Oh, okay. But, yeah. It looks like I got most of the articles over. It doesn't look like we have tons this time, but that's fine. Yeah. We kind of started late today anyways. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully next time I'll be able to, uh, uh, get something in the dock maybe before <laughs> the podcast. Uh, let's see. There was something I wanted to appreciate. Oh, yeah, FUBAR 2000. What has Ready Run been doing lately? Maybe we need to watch Ready Run. I haven't seen that in a while. So it's FUBAR 2000. I should look. It's a media player, and it has like all sorts of custom eyesability. Let's see, there's... Oh, what's, is it load ready run? Loading ready. Loading ready. There it is. Uh, there's some mild swearing in this one, uh, so... <laughs> I think the chess one was, like, the best one ever. The chess one. Yeah. Uh, there's, like, presenting it as a new game. Oh, release. yeah, yeah. Version 2.0. The long-standing bug where the, where the pawn would clip... No, 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 no. It's when the rook would clip through the. <laughs> okay. This is a sort of older one. Yeah, it is. Uh, 2014. Hello, I'm Ross Harvis, and this is an Action 9 special report. This is truly a momentous day in the world of chess as the Fédération Internationale des Echecs, or World Chess Federation, has finally released the long-awaited 4.5.2 patch for the game of chess. This patch represents the first change since the controversial 4.5.1 speed chess update that added a timer to the game more than 150 years ago. To find out more, we have with us today live via satellite Dr. Scott McIntyre, chess mega grandmaster, associate professor of moving in an L shape at the Chess University of Smithsonian, and spokesman for the FIDE. Good afternoon, Dr. McIntyre. Thanks for having me, Ross. Now, Dr. McIntyre, rumors have been swirling around about this patch for some time. Since it's finally been officially released, what kind of reactions are you getting? Well, Ross, any changes to this is the one, well right? game yes. are bound to get some pushback. But on the whole, players have been very positive. So what kind of changes are we talking about? You can see a full list of the changes in the patch notes on our website, but they broadly fit into two categories. The first and most important is bug and balance fixes. Historically, <laughs> chess has had several well-known bugs that high-level players have learned to exploit to the point where they've almost become a part of the game. This patch fixes <laughs> the long-standing castling bug, where certain circumstances allowed a player's king to clip through the rook. It also fixes the most well-known chess bug, which prevented pawns from moving backwards. <laughs> wasn't an intentional part of the game. Not at all. 
That issue has been in our bug database since the early 15th century, but has proven surprisingly difficult to track down. We've also put a lot of work into rebalancing the game. Wait, aren't both sides identical? Well, that is mostly true, but the white side always goes first, which is, I think you'll agree, a little OP. With the new patch, the white side still goes first, but the black side now gets two queens to compensate. <laughs> tilt the game in black's favor? Yes. That's why white is now allowed to move two pieces on every fourth turn. Extensive research indicates that this makes the two sides exactly equal. I can show you the 428-page report if you want. That's okay, I, I trust you. What about <laughs> the other category of changes? Well, that's where things get really exciting. Chess is a wonderful game, but there's a lot of competition in the board game space these days, and chess is going to have to adapt to survive. The second half of the update is what we are calling a content patch, and it is designed to bring chess into the 21st century. To begin with, we have added an XP and leveling system. XP? Like experience points? Yes! Sure, you could previously promote a pawn to a queen if you made it all the way across the board, but that didn't leave much room for character customization. Each piece now has strength, dexterity, and armor attributes, and gains XP every time it takes another piece. With enough XP, you can even upgrade a piece to the new Giga King. Giga King. It takes up four squares and can move in any direction. Wow, those are pretty serious changes. It may seem like that at first glance, but the core chess gameplay is the same as it has always been. <laughs> we just felt it was necessary to give it a facelift to attract a modern audience. Young players in particular have been very positive about the new power card. Power cards? <laughs> yes, didn't we talk about those already? Well, both players will now have customized 50-card deck that they can draw cards from every turn. They can play cards to help them by increasing attributes, giving XP, bringing back lost pieces, or activating what we call bonus challenges which are cards that affect how the game is played for both players. All pawns move twice, queens can move in the knight's L shape, bishops are worth double XP, that sort of thing. Is there anything you haven't changed? Oh, certainly. As I said, most of these changes are just little tweaks to how the game has been played for hundreds of years. Here's the new board, for instance. As you can see, it's basically unchanged from the board that Wilhelm Steinitz used back in the 19th century. What are those colored squares? Oh, uh, these are the trap squares. Before the game, you roll dice to determine what kind of trap is under each square. Lava, acid, pit, or spike. And a piece activates the trap when it ends the turn on the square. Each piece has different vulnerabilities and resistances to the different trap types. Of, of course. Come on, acid of traps? Course. How is that a small tweak? Where it gets really interesting is using power cards to protect your pieces and modify the trap squares. The first time your opponent plays a fire immunity card on his Giga King and then moves on to what he thinks is a lava trap, only to find you changed it to spikes two turns earlier and now all your rooks have double XP? <laughs> well, let's just say that's what chess is all about. <laughs> God, I don't think it is. <laughs> that one is good. I like that one. Uh, let's see, there's got to be a punchline here. Just one more thing, Dr. McIntyre. Yes? I'm almost afraid to ask, but what is the blue square for? Oh, it's very simple. The orange squares are trap squares, and the blue square activates multi-ball! <laughs> I don't really know what I was expecting. <laughs> multi-ball. So what is that reference? It's kind of reference. Pinball. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> that was great. I can introduce you to the Warriors saga later. Okay. So, uh, want to get started here? Yes. It's like 9.30. Ready to go. All right. So, <sighs> let's see. Keep forgetting to put a label track on here. Label. That was perfect. Yes.
So I guess we can go ahead and watch the uh, some more loading ready run. Yes, for the let's do that.